0: hello and welcome to the latest science of sport podcast i'm your host matt solomon and today i'm delighted to be joined by austin yokum so austin is a former division one collegiate strength coach and he's renowned for his ability to use play as a means to improve athletic performance and that's exactly why we've asked him on the podcast today so without further ado it's time to welcome austin onto the show so austin welcome to the science of sport podcast it's a pleasure to have you here yeah i'm pumped to be here Thank you very much for joining us. So give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now.
1: Yeah, my name's Austin Yoakum. Uh Weird last name. I know everybody pronounces it wrong, but yeah, we got Yoakum, uh owner of Yocum Strength, uh, Sports Performance Center. We uh, have online training where we kind of create better movers. That's our goal.
0: Uh, Ex-Division 1 and Division 3 strength coach. And yeah, we're here. Awesome. Awesome. So obviously we're here to discuss play and how you can incorporate that into uh, training generally and then the impact of that on athletic performance. So before we get kicked off, what, what do we mean by play? Because obviously a lot of stuff is play, right? Like what specifically do we mean by play in this instance?
1: Yeah, play to me is like this this exploration of movement. And, and like you said, there's so many different pieces of it. And when I saw this question, it's like, there, there's the general aspect, and we kind of use all these aspects of play. It's like there's the general aspect of play, which is like just move your body in different ways. Like go play spike ball, go explore. Uh, maybe it's wall ball, some something fun. And for us, we use that kind of play method for more of like a neuroplasticity, more of an emotional like, and hey, hey, warm up the body, get the body moving in different ways. But that's just going to be more general play. Then you have more like specific play, and we're going to go into like the small side of games, and we're going to work on specific aspects of discovering movement options uh finding movement solutions to movement problems. Um and that's gonna be a little bit more specific play. But then you also have like play in the weight room. It's like weights and and the, the progression of weights and the linearized periodization and just progression of numbers in the weight room and progression of like sprint times. Like all of this is gamification. Like I consider it it's like the reason America is so addicted to weight room and why you, you struggle to get athletes to want to run and jump is because they can metrify, they can gamify the weights right away. Okay, last week I did one that, 35 this week I can do 185 that's a game man like I can beat that I have a leaderboard and now you have somebody like Tony Haller coming out with like rank record publish like he's gamified sprinting and now everybody wants to go sprints and before it's like you could you couldn't get athletes to go sprint like it wasn't something that like they always wanted to go do but you could go get them to like I want to go beat that number now they have a number to beat in sprints same thing with the jump mat so you you have so many different aspects of play but my whole overarching aspect is combining the mind body and spirit together into something to achieve their ultimate goal which is become a better athlete become a better person and and i think a lot of times we we lose sight of our overarching goal we lose sight of how to get there uh by applying it too much to the numbers too much to like just the barbell like their goal is not to get better at the barbell again we, we get too stuck in the one rabbit hole and i think play does a really good job of bringing us into that overarching and staying that overarching goal and being able to use different aspects of play to motivate the athlete
0: and that, that's really interesting right the motivation so is that something that you think plays into the increased athletic performance that you can get from play so like motivating them maybe even subconsciously or uh, subconsciously to make sure that they can get more out of that training drill or more out of that exercise um how how do you think that works in terms of improving performance
1: Yeah. I mean, the psychological of any any good athlete, the number one stimulus you can give them is a better athlete than them. And we talked about it this morning at the gym. It's like we have this freak athlete and he's lazy. I'm pretty sure he came in hungover. It's a Friday morning right now. I'm like this dude is like playing like (laughs) trash right now. And we have this guy that shouldn't be beating him. He goes and beats him on the jump mat. And, like, just starts, sh- like, talking shit and, like, getting after it. And then they're going at it. And then he jumps three inches higher. It's, it's like, there's there's no amount of, like, rah-rah, yell at him. There's no amount of programming jump training that's going to do that. It's literally just, like, getting that intense aspect, getting the piece of, like, I uh, – there's a game. There's something to go beat. And then this is why elite-level athletes, like, they're – they're they're elite because they're really good at solving the movement problems in front of them like that that's what they excel at whatever that movement problem is the barbell the, the the sprint the jump but you have to give them a movement problem that matters or it doesn't like it's like you and i the intensity that we would approach like a two plus two equals four problem it's like bro it's it's four like it's like the, the goodwill hunting scene where it's like like how easy this is for me it's not even fun and that that's what the thing with the athletes it's like how can you make that problem a not a two plus two problem, but more of an algebra or more of a like calculus problem to where they have to be like, Oh crap, I got to lock in. I got to go. And that's what game, that's what sport is. And that that's, that's what they excel at. That's what they thrive with. That's why they're elite. And I feel like a lot of times in our, in our training, we are not giving them problems that, that, elicit that response. And if you don't elicit that response, you don't see how they're solving their calculus problems. You see how they're solving that two plus two problem, which is great and dandy. But when they get onto the field, they're going to be required to solve this calculus problem. And now you don't know how emotionally they handle it, or maybe they've just never solved calculus before and they've never been there and they completely fall apart. or They're just not able to use what we've done with the, the basic math there. So I think that's a huge piece of training that, it, that goes under the radar
0: a ton. And when when we look at their movement quality, so obviously that's, that's athletic performance. But movement quality is obviously slightly different. Maybe one of the building blocks towards athletic performance. How can play influence movement quality? Well,
1: this is, so this is something that the, the the body the body keeps score. That's the name of the book. They they did it was such a cool study of like or, or talk about how a lot of kids that are have like traumatic experiences they're stuck in this fight or flight and then they're taken out of this rough and tumble play they're taken out of this 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 play environments because recess is cut all of this stuff is kind of cut from them so they have no ability to explore, no ability to find like what they're, they're always in this fight or flight. And then now you look at an athlete and it's the same thing. If you have a new athlete walk in, like, just look at them. They'll do something and they'll look at you to see if they did it right. They'll do something. eye glance, do something. eye glance. They're always fight or play. It's always, did I do this right? Did I do this right? Did... And then they have no, they had, they have no environment in which they're able to explore what their bodies are capable of doing. Uh, and, and you're there to guide them. But you are not there to yell and, like, get them into that fight or flight. Like, oh, am I doing? No. Like, did it feel right? Yes or no. Did you solve the movement problem better than the other person? Yes or no. Okay. So now we can provide environments in which you're able to – it's a little bit of a dance. It's like, okay, like, how did landing that way feel? How did it look? Like, we can show you on video. Like, we can do some of these things. How did it feel? How did it look? Okay, let's try it this way. Um, But I feel like a lot of times we don't give that – Ability to dance. And that's all movement is. It's like this dance. The best movers in the world are so fluid. It's like this rhythmic walk. Like I talk about this. It's like this swagger walk that they, these best athletes in the world It's like this bounce, this rhythm. Uh, And then you have these strength coaches. Like when they walk, it's like, uh, 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 like a miserable lat syndrome. They can't move very well. Uh, And these invisible lat syndrome, like tight Bundled up like wide ISA type guys that are sitting there yelling at their athletes to do these things perfectly. It's like, well, maybe we should like look at the paradox there. Like that athlete moves better than you. Like, why are they moving that way? Can we give them some some freedom to express that movement quality that they have? Um, and and that doesn't mean you can't nudge it in different directions. It doesn't mean you can't play with it. But I think the biggest thing is giving them the ability to explore what the best movement quality for them is rather than this is the best movement quality. I'm gonna fit you into my box.
0: And how how do you then create an environment which allows that? Because it sounds sounds really good, obviously. You're like, okay, cool. We'll allow them freedom to jump around and play. And and then all of a sudden you're herding cats because there's like 20, 18-year-olds running around just taking a mick out of your session. So how do you make sure that the environment is conducive to to providing that uh, stimulus for them?
1: Yeah, and I think that goes back to Again, giving them a calculus problem that is hard enough to solve and giving them athletes that are like competing. So like a lot of times it'll be like, OK, so the traditional like landing mechanics thing is like maybe like five by three. Like and I, I the only reason I know this because I've ran this before, like when I first started coaching, it would be like we'd start with the landing mechanics. We would do like snap downs. We do like single leg drops and make sure the knees and everything's tracked. So that was like kind of back in the day, it was like how I viewed movement quality. It's like I can fix your movement quality by doing these things. Now my movement quality session is I'm going to put out a box or a high hurdle, and my goal, I tell them, you have 10 minutes on the clock. You're going to jump over this as many different ways as possible. Or we're going to land, maybe it's jump. If it is more landing, we're going to land it in as many different ways as possible. We're going to jump off something, land in as many different ways as possible. We're going to pay attention to these things. But giving them that movement problem and the overarching goal of, we're working on landings here as many different as possible. Let's see what you like. Let's see what you don't like and then challenging it too. So it's like if you want to see the best way for an athlete to jump high rather than telling them the like, this is how you jump high. It's let's increase the height of the hurdle. And can you still do it? And you're going to like this self-regulation that this ability to figure out the problem like it's going to happen because they don't have any other choice. So I think that's a big thing. Giving them a complex enough movement problem. Make sure they understand the movement problem and then continue to progress the movement problems. So the solution that you want comes out rather than, um, this this is, this is the answer. This is what you have to do. Because, again, that again, the athlete knows, and then, then they stop caring. Especially, like, maybe right away, they're like, oh, this is new. This is a new movement problem. You go two weeks of landing mechanics, I, I just think back to the day, it's like they did not care. Like, those athletes were not engaged. They did not care. They were just doing it because they had to. Again, I was in a college sector. They had no choice but to come to me because, like, their coaches sent them to me, um, and and I was just kind of wasting their time. And they knew that I was wasting their time, and they are these – beautiful solvers of movement problem that I'm having just land. It's like they know how to do that. Go look at them dunk. They can all dunk in this room. They're all basketball, collegiate basketball players, and I'm telling them how to land. So I, I think that's
0: a big piece. And is there, is there any science to back that up as well? So if we're looking at um, peer-reviewed literature, obviously it's a little bit more difficult to, to get a nice controlled study because what you're talking about is effectively – delivering some chaos to allow them to express themselves better. But is there any uh, literature which backs up the use of uh, play in this way to improve athletic performance?
1: So the three resources that I would go with here is I'm going to start as the biggest name is probably Huberman talking about, he has a full, I think it's a full month of podcast on play and talking about the gateway for play to neuroplasticity, um, play for the ability for like defined movement options. Um, but he has he has all of the studies listed in that that month of s- that podcast series um, to really solidify the science behind it, which, which is which for a lot of coaches that are not in the the creative aspect yet and need the nudge a little bit, it's like a big piece. They're like, okay, why should I do this? And that was a really good podcast to send to a lot of coaches, just because it's like, okay, now now, now there's science here. Um, another, another resource is, uh, Rafe Kelly, who was actually just on Jordan Peterson's podcast, which is pretty sweet, but, um, I've had him on my podcast. I've been on his podcast, talked to him back and forth for years now. Um, but he talks about the studies of like kids that are without physical education and kids that are without rough and tumble play and the effects on their physical development is massive um and and he's shown um not he's has shown he's he's shown me the studies made of that and and it's pretty crazy on the effects not just physically like the physical expression is worse as they grow up but also the 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 ability for their brains to function and their ability to a lot of it's like the cooperation like a big piece socially is play like it's like I can push your boundaries this way. You can push my boundaries that way. If you overstep my boundary in play or life, I can tell you that. I can express that emotion. If I overstep your boundary, you can tell me, and I know when to stop. And that's what play does a really nice job of socially is, like, all these aspects of teaching kids how to interact socially. And when you take that away in recess, you take that away in rough and tumble play, uh, you do see it in the generation. It's like they, they don't know how to interact socially. They're, they're too selfish or they're, they're too um, – they, they bend over backwards because they, they don't know that push and bat back in that, that play aspect. And then physically, Rob Gray is in how we learn to move in his book and his second book. I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the second book, but he talks a lot about all of the studies behind either injury prevention and how the let's say it's landing mechanics. And he talks about how if you're if you're landing the same way every single time, if you just want to look at landing mechanics, one in the sport, you're going to see so many different landing mechanics. So like you're exposing the soft tissues to all these different positions Two, He talked about, if you're landing the same way over and over and over again, you're going to stress the same joints over and over joints, ligaments, muscles over and over and over again. Uh, and he talked about how that can be a possible increase for, uh, injuries, but he's, he's a really good resource. His whole book is full of references in there of all the studies. A lot of them that he has actually done too, which is really cool. And a lot of studies that he's, um, cited, uh, to back up play, to back up differential learning approach, to back up that kind of constraint-led approach.
0: Absolutely awesome. So when you you bring all this together, obviously there's a lot of different things which you need to bring into one session to make sure that that works. So can you give us like a a case study as to how uh, either coaches or athletes can make an environment and make a training session where they can ensure that play is used then to improve their athletic performance? Yeah, so I can kind of run through
1: what I kind of set it up as or how I view it, and hopefully somebody smarter than me can kind of take it and be like, well, you're dumb. I'm going to apply it my way. But when I have athletes come in, a lot of times they're coming from, like, class, they've been sitting around. It's kind of like this zombie apocalypse I talk about. It's like they've been told what to do all day long, sport practice, especially if they're college athletes. It's like when you wake up, when you eat breakfast, when you go to class, what you do at sport practice, what you're supposed to wear all day, like all of that stuff, is they don't have a say. So they walk in on their phones like – Zombies like they, they have nothing going on in their brain so we'll start off with trying to get them excited so then it'll be more of that general play aspect get them excited get them competing get them moving get them warmed up in something that's not going to be a ton of like oh, high velocity movements just so you're not like pulling a hamstring or something like that so that'll be more spike ball that'll be more gymnastic type movements um, more parkour. Um, more More recess type games uh, that kind of setting, so we get the energy high, we, we move their bodies, we get them ramped up, we get them moving, but mostly get them talking, like get them talking, get them expressing what they want to express. Then we'll funnel that into more of a sp- specific type play. And th- this will be based off the athlete and what we're kind of focusing on here. But let's say it's a football athlete. Um, we'll, we'll go more small-sided games. Um, and, and this is the goal, too, is like, is our goal. Like, what's our, what's our overarching movement goal of the day? Maybe it's acceleration. Maybe it's uh, agility. Maybe it's uh, max velocity with context. So max velocity with context with a football player would be, we'll go short field sh- or narrow field long. Narrow, long field, so they don't have a ton of room to make the person miss side to side. they got to beat them vertically, and once you put them in game environments like that, you're going to get a lot of high-velocity sprints. If it's more acceleration-based, we'll do... Wide field, short distance, Um, and then a lot of it's like side-to-side, lateral movement. If I want to focus on teamwork or communication that day, it is going to be a game in which I require like three passes before they're able to score. But we'll set up environments in which we are achieving the movement of the day, and that's the more specific. But we created this big energy. We're going to apply it in the specific. And then we still have a lot of good energy going on just because the competition, the juices are flowing. Then we'll kind of apply that to our stimulus, the max stimulus of the day. Maybe that's a squat and a jump. Maybe that's a bench press and a throw something like that but we'll apply all the energy we just created into the big stimulus of the day get them going get them competing that's where we'll rank record publish we'll do jump mats we'll do uh, lifts like we'll, we'll measure all of that and then from there i like to apply them into this i like to bring them more internal so i'll bring them into like the, i talked about build the armor sense so then we're going to do something like isometrics uh maybe it's a high rep scheme like 100 to a thousand rep scheme maybe it's like something for two to five minutes maybe it's a dead hang but we created all this energy we got our stimulus can they come back internal And and you see athletes they do a really nice job of getting high but now they can't come internal come back into their bodies, sit there, and then come back out of that. A lot of times, like, they just – they don't know what to do with that energy. So, again, it's exposing them to that calculus problem they're going to see on the field where it's like, I, I only play offense. I sit when the defense is out there. Can I come from this high state to this low state, take in the information, take in my internal sense, recover – come back out there so we'll kind of ebb and flow like that we'll go into the build the iso i'll come back out into more of a like general accessory type lift and then we'll finish with another iso Uh, so then you have that ebb and flow of general game specific stimulus build the armor general build the armor
0: absolutely awesome i think that's really interesting um and it's really nice to see that you can make that into a in an applied context as well because it sounds great it's like oh yeah we'll just let them jump over boxes all the time but actually there's a lot more to it than just i'll go and jump over a box it's like okay how do we create that environment and how does it all link in together as well so i think that's an absolutely fantastic example um where can people find more about you and what you've been up to
1: yeah austin yokum on uh instagram is probably the best spot for that
0: absolutely excellent and website that kind of stuff
1: yeah yokum uh dot com and then yeah but the the instagram will take you everywhere austin yokum uh on Instagram, yokumstrength at gmail.com. If you want to email me, ask me a question or tell me I'm stupid from this interview, yeah, anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm game for anything, I'm game for any discourse.
0: Perfect, thanks very much, mate. It's been a pleasure talking and I look forward to speaking again soon. Awesome, thanks for having me. Cheers, buddy. And that's it once again, a massive thanks to Austin for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it, I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I wanna point you in the direction of the Science of Sport Coach Academy the well, Coach Academy is an overflowing library of sports science courses which are broken down into bite-sized chunks. That means you can fit it in and around your busy coaching schedule. In addition, all of these courses are equipped with a certificate, which means that you can improve your ongoing education. And of course, if you enjoyed today's podcast, it would be fantastic if you would recommend us to a coach, a colleague, an athlete, or a friend. That means that we can keep bringing the best possible guests and the best possible content. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me and Matt Solomon for Science Support, and I'll speak to you next week.